This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Rookie Chef podcast with me, Nadia Zirfat, where I'll be interviewing some brilliant chefs about their exceptional recipes. We did this recording at home, so sometimes the audio quality might not be what we would expect in the studio. Hello and welcome to the Rookie Chef podcast. This week, I'm joined by chef and owner of Rhythm Kitchen, Delroy Dixon, and we're going to be discussing jerk chicken. Hi, Delroy. How are you? Hi, Nadia. I'm good. Nice to touch base with you. It is. So for anyone who doesn't know, what is jerk and what makes it so delicious? Um, For people not listening, jerk is a a traditional way of cooking uh, meat, pork, fish. Um, It it stems from um, Jamaica. It was used by the Arawak Indians when they was hiding, um, when they were smoking their meats up in the hills. Um, it was also used by runaway slaves for them to preserve their meats also when they was uh, in Jamaica up in the hills so they wouldn't be found by their chasing um, owners. And basically it's a, it's, a way of pres- it's a way of preserving meat and it's a way of um, cooking meat. Yeah, so obviously that's been adapted quite a lot since then oh it's been adapted quite a lot um since then um people can cook jerk chicken at home you can put jerk chicken on your barbecue on your grills um you can eat jerk chicken out in many restaurants now um like my own um so it's it's an extremely popular dish and for those who go to a carnival on a regular basis you'll see an abundance of jerk people cooking and selling jerk chicken What's your favourite way to cook jerk if, you you know, you, you choose your ideal method? My ideal method for cooking jerk would be to cook it over a charcoal grill. Um, it, you, you then get the full taste of the actual jerk, plus you get the additional flavour of the charcoal smoke on the chicken, which actually makes, which gives jerk chicken its kind of um, je ne sais quoi, as they say. So do you have a charcoal barbecue at home? Um, yes, I do, and I've also got one in in the restaurant. So I've got one in the one in the garden, which I smoke up, every, which I flare up every now and then. And generally, at one of the restaurants that I own, we have a charcoal grill at the back, and all of the jerk is cooked fresh on a charcoal grill. God, that sounds incredible. Um, yeah, I know. Do you, do you get your barbecue out in winter as well? Because I know my family, any excuse for a barbecue, as long as the sun is shining, the barbecue comes out. <laughs> We've just had the garden redone, so it will be coming out this winter. Like a, a celebration for it. Yes. Yeah. Bless my new garden paving stones. Oh, lovely. Um, so what are the essential spices for it? Well, the key essential spices in jerk are 
pimento or allspice, um, scotch bonnet peppers, um, thyme, garlic, ginger, and spring onions. Those are the kind of main things that you need. Especially, you can't do it without really the scotch bonnet and the, and the um, pimento spice. Yeah, yeah. So um, I was going on a hunt because I like to make the recipes before I actually talk about them so I can really understand, you know, what goes into it. And um, I've been on a hunt for scotch bonnets, just trying to find them well, so I can make your jerk chicken. But Depending on where you live, I live in London, so it's quite easy for me to get scotch bonnet, whether that's in a uh, Afro-Bian continental shop or even in Tesco's. Um, so my local supermarket is in is in Tesco's and I do have a range of chilies and Scotch bonnets is one of them. So it, it really does depend on, on on exactly what area you live. Or if you can't get Scotch bonnets, you just have to find whatever available chili is there. But Scotch bonnet is one of the keys to having it, to be honest. Yeah. So um, as I was telling you earlier, I in real commitment, I've had jerk chicken for breakfast just so I can try your recipe and Honestly, it was incredible. I mean, you rated it. You said it was a bit too burnt, but that's okay. Next time, less time in the oven. Yeah, let's, it will be even better. Either less time in the oven, or turn it down a little bit, or don't take the foil off so quickly. Yeah, yeah. So just take the foil off right at the end, so you can get a little bit of a crispness on the chicken. Yeah. So obviously, as I was having it for breakfast for the for research purposes, of course, it was a very nice breakfast. It definitely woke me up. Oh, I'm glad um, it did. What What are your ideal sides with jerk? My ideal size with jerk would be rice and peas, um, planting and coleslaw. That would that would that that's just that's just your meal there made. You have a nice steaming pot of rice and peas, um, rich down in some coconut cream. Then you've got some beautifully fried plantings and some luscious, lovely coleslaw. That's it. That sounds like the dream. So for people who do want to make it at home, we will have your recipe on the website and we will have you reading it out to them so they can cook along with you. Um, if they want the perfect flavour, would you sort of suggest, you know, barbecue first, but if a barbecue is impossible, then the oven will do? Or, you know, are they interchangeable kind of? An oven an oven will do. So it's, 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 um, it's not everybody who's got access to a flaming barbecue. Not everybody who can cook barbecue well without burning it. So I would say if, it, if you are cooking jerk chicken for the first time, try it in the oven. And then once you've got a bit, once you've got a bit more confidence in using the barbecue, then try it in the barbecue. But I would say try it, if, try it first in the oven, see how it turns out. If you like it, great. Um, and then you can possess once, once it gets a bit warmer. If you like barbecuing in the cold, just get out your barbecue, make sure it's not too hot, get the coals down to the right temperature and then just cook it on the barbecue. But oven, oven will work. Oven will work. A hundred percent. Okay. Well, oh. yeah, I did it in the oven, but I, it's definitely going to be a new staple. And one thing that I was really surprised about was for such incredible flavor that you get from jerk chicken. It was, it was quite easy to sort of just whiz stuff up. And I didn't think it was that sort of, two-step process that it is but it was a really pleasant surprise well it, well as you can see when you look at the recipe it is quite easy if you've got a blend if you've got a blender you just blend all of the marinades together um leave it to sit and as the recipe says then you just cook throw it on the chicken make sure you get your hands in there so you can get all of the flavors and spices into the chicken and then just put it in the oven so it's not it's not a real it's not a real technical dish it, it's it's not but it tastes like it yes but you do you do find that a lot of a lot of food from, I would say from um, which would 
which you could might categorize as poor people food, have the most flavor because you put the most love in it. It's all about how much love you put in it. And this, this recipe has been handed down over the years and it's full of love. Was this recipe something you've inherited from your family? Uh, have you made any adaptations to it? Or is it pretty sort of original from when you first learnt to make it? It's a pretty... It- it's, it, from, it's from when I first learned to make it. So it is a pretty standard recipe, um, which you can get which you can get from many places. Um, you can add some further ingredients if you want to, but it's a pretty standard recipe for jerk. Lots of scotch, all-purpose pimento, um, scallions, spring onions, garlic, ginger. That's all you need. Yeah. It's a dream team, really. All my favourite flavours in one dish. <laughs> yeah. And those those flavours can be used to marinate other things, can't they? So um, I noticed on your restaurant menu, you have a couple of jerk fish dishes on there as well. And um, where else would you use it? You could use jerk on more or less any... Well, the meat's what, you, what, what I would suggest you use it on. You've got chicken. It works with lamb. It works with pork. Um, it works somewhat with beef, although I, it's not something that I've tried too many times. It, def- it definitely works with a range of fish. We do jerk salmon. You could do it with sea bass. You could do it with sea bream. So it's quite a versatile seasoning when it comes to putting it on meat. One thing that I do need to try is probably jerk duck, which I haven't tried yet, but I'm sure it would work with jerk duck. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And and those flavours, obviously, the scotch bonnet gives it that really intense spice. Should it be as hot as possible or um, or not? It's really down to you as the individual. Um, I'm, I'm a, I, I do like my food quite spicy. So um, for me personally, I would probably maybe add some scotch, additional scotch at home. Um, but if I was making it for, say, a dinner party, I'd just leave, leave it at a kind of medium level. And then if you wanted to make it hotter, get a recipe and make your own hot, hot pepper sauce and throw that on top. Yeah. So um, speaking of spice, I asked our Facebook group, BBC Good Food Together, what they would like me to ask you yeah. as the, the jerk expert. And um, a member called Alex, they asked, if you're making jerk for a spice wimp, would you still use Scotch Bonnet in just a smaller amount or could you substitute a different chilli as a milder option? You could just use less. Yeah. Um Jerk, one thing I would say with, with, with jerk, even though you might be a spice wimp, it depends how wimpy you are. So if you can't if you can't take any kind of heat, don't eat jerk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Have something else. But I, I think if if you if you are a spice wimp, the best thing to do is to take the, the scotch level down, or one alternatively would be to get a scotch and just remove the seeds. So if you if you remove the seeds where most of the intense flavors are, it will take down the the, the heat level of the jerk to a, to a level which which could be acceptable. Yeah, I mean you're clearly an encyclopedia of information when it comes to to cooking. Um, have you always had a passion for cooking, or is it something that's developed over time? No, I've always wanted to be from so from when I was when I was many moons ago when I was younger, I always wanted to be a chef. So I did train to be a chef. So always wanting to cook has always been part of me really and then then I got the opportunity to open my own my own restaurant back in 2010 and just stayed with it from there yeah was cooking an integral part of your family culture yeah it was we used to have everybody around for Sunday dinner mum used to cook the rice and peas and the stew chicken on a Sunday um used to have big barbecues with all the family come around so 
the, the, the kitchen is the hub of the home, I would say, if we have a family gathering rule in the kitchen. Yeah, definitely. And I, I find that that's where all the excitement happens. That's where everyone's having the best conversations. You don't want to be out of the kitchen because then it's not as fun. Well, that's where everybody heads to. If you go around to your, if you go around to your mums or your brothers and it's like a dinner party, what's in the pot? Everybody goes and looks to see what's on the pot today. Or oh, I'm going mums this weekend and everybody, I wonder what you're going to cook. That's the thing. I, I love it when I go to my my family gatherings and all my aunties are in the kitchen and, you know, my uncles are helping out. And the the sort of the newer guests, they're not allowed in the kitchen, of no. course, because that's just, you know, that's just not on. Guests have to sit there. But I like the fact that I can sort of go into the kitchen and pretend I'm a guest. So I get the best best of both worlds. And, and like can, I can be nosy and, oh, can I, can I stir this for you? Can I do this for you? Can I just have a quick look? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. So what, what's that smell? It smells really good. Like, and I always offer to serve up first so I can like take a sneaky couple of little bits before that, it goes out on the table. That's a bit cheeky. I know, I know. It's rude, isn't it? I'm a terrible, terrible guest, but I can't help it. When it smells that good, you can't help but just sneak a little bit. You just want to get involved. You just yeah. think, oh gosh, I haven't been here for so long. Oh, what's in the pot today? And obviously if they catch me, I'm like, I'm just testing it. I'm just making sure all the flavours are right. Yeah. Like, don't, don't blame me. <laughs> <laughs> so um as you said you opened your own restaurant what what inspired you to do that was it a love of cooking that then sort of just manifested into this opportunity um I would say what happened I just, just wanted to try out and be my own boss um in the area that I lived there was a large shopping center opening and I just decided to send in an idea to open a restaurant in this large shopping center and I got extremely lucky in that they accepted my proposal um and i was the only independent operator to open in the rest of the shopping center at the time which is westfields in stratford so i was i was in a very privileged position to have been offered the offered the offered the place there and um it went from there i mean i think that's really a testament to the quality of your cooking because chains are, are, are safe and you know easy but vouching for an independent restaurant especially in such a big big place is quite a risk but obviously they just loved your idea and they're like right we, we've got to have it there and I mean clearly it's done really well because you've opened another restaurant haven't you yeah so now I've opened another restaurant which is not too close from my live still in London um which is a sit-down restaurant with a rum bar um which is going going really well we've got a charcoal based grill there so everybody gets to get the true taste elements of the jerk of jerk um yeah it's going really well yeah, I, I really want to visit. Um, I mean, the reason I asked you on the podcast was because when I was sort of researching the best people to speak to, you came up time and time again as the jerk father. And obviously, I have to speak to the jerk father about jerk. I mean, who else am I going to talk to? <laughs> you could speak to the jerk mother. But, <laughs> um, so obviously... <laughs> <clears throat> so obviously I can't get to Walthamstow at the moment and I'm sure a lot of people can't but for people who want to try Caribbean food in their area what are some must order dishes if you go to a restaurant what do you have to order well I think that if you're in an area and you can get to a Caribbean takeaway the the, the, the must-have dishes I would say are jerk chicken and curry goat those are the two kind of staples within a Caribbean restaurant, within a, Carib within a Caribbean dinner party. So if you if you can get hold of jerk chicken, great. And you have that with some rice and peas and some plantain and some coleslaw. And then if you have curry goat with the same the same combination, those are the first two things you can try. And if you if you like those two, Caribbean food's onto a winner because you, you won't go back from there. 
Yeah. And if if you're in a new area and you're sort of looking for some some good food, what would you say is the measure of a good restaurant? Like how can you sort of tell? By the re- by the queues or the reviews. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's the only that's the only ways really. Um you could turn around and say if it's painted really brightly, it must be nice. But I don't think that would work with me. <laughs> No, definitely not. I mean, they always say when you're in a new area, go to where the locals go, right? Correct. Like you don't want to go to tourist traps. No, I think if if there's a local restaurant in your area and it's full of local people and you can see that local people that go on a regular basis, yes, they, they must be doing something good. Yeah, definitely. And um, with Jerk in particular, are there any misconceptions that you've come across? I think one of the misconceptions what people have with Jerk is that it's overly spicy. So they think, oh, jerk is going to burn out my mouth. Well, it don't because basically not everybody, not everybody who makes jerks or eat jerks wants it overly spicy. So what I do with my recipe that I've made it to, I've made it at a, at a level where I think that more or less everybody can eat it. If you can't take spice at all, don't eat jerk because it has to have some spice in it. So if somebody complains and say, I don't like spice and it's too hot, and you ask them, what do you mean by you don't like spice? I can't take any heat. Well, have sausage and beans. <laughs> uh, yeah. Don't think of having jerk because it's part of jerk is having that element of kick spice in it. Like myself, I like it to have more kick than not, um, but it has to have some kind of kick in it. But that is one of the misconceptions. So how spicy is it? And it also depends what you mean by spicy. Do you mean by spicy as in heat or spicy as in taste? Because there's a lot of spices in it. So that's one that's one of the misconceptions that we get. But most people who come to the restaurant, they like the level of spice that we put, the heat, Scotch bonnet spice that we put in it. Um, but that is the main misconception. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, when sort of I had it this morning <laughs> yeah. for breakfast, um, I think all of the flavours together, it, it, they complement each other so much that spice is just part of it rather yeah. than the main component, which, you know, like you said, if... If you're okay with spice, then it's not overpowering at all. It just adds to the flavour. Yeah, it's just. I don't think just... you should be scared off by it. No, I think if it's it has that kind of what's the word to look at? If you think of it like a a, a mellow rum, yeah, as it goes down the back of your throat, you just get that little tint, and that's what it should be. And would you say rum is the ideal drink to have with it? Well, it is because I just what I like. I've got rums in one of my restaurants. I've got 140 bottles of different rums. Um, it, if you it, a great mix would be to have it with a rum punch on the side, or rum and a rum and a thing. Oh God, you're making me so hungry. Well, you just, you've had breakfast, so don't eat no more. <laughs> yeah, no, but I can't have rum with my breakfast, can I? Or can I? Of course, you can. Yeah. You just don't have too many. Just have one. <laughs> just a little um just just a just a little dram just a little taste yeah yeah. (laughs) um so in your kitchen what are the three ingredients that you always have to have in your cupboard uh in my kitchen the three ingredients i always have to have in my cupboard i would say uh let me have a think now um scotch because i can uh, i like scotch uh thyme um and garlic uh, those those are the three kind of elements what I use to kind of build most of the cooking for. Yeah. One thing I was happy about with your recipe, I find with a lot of recipe, I found I find myself doubling the amount of garlic that they recommend. Yeah. Because I, I love the flavour of garlic, but no one ever puts enough garlic in the recipe. It's always just missing a little bit. 
but you got the garlic amount perfect. No, I kind of agree because when I see recipes and I see some chefs, oh, you put a bit of garlic and it's one clove. I think I don't know where you're going with that because that's not really going to do nothing. What does one clove do yeah. when you're making a massive dish? One clove of garlic. Yeah. I, I I always always put about like five to six, seven, depending on how big the dish is. It's just overpowering. Yeah, because it, I'm amazed. Oh, one clove of garlic, and I think that's not going to taste of anything. But they know what they're doing. Yeah, well, I remember I was cooking for someone and they were watching me put the garlic in and they were saying, are, are you sure? I, don't you think that'll be a bit much? I was like, no, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Like, just trust me, trust me. But it works. I feel like garlic isn't the the sort of overpowering flavour that a lot of people seem to think it is. It's just, it, it. like I said, kind of like with the spice, it complements it yeah. a lot of the time. And sometimes when you don't have enough, you think, where is the garlic? You do need that background flavour of the garlic to kind of, Add that flavor, add add some extra flavor to it. But you are right with the with the garlic. We I do like using a lot of garlic because um, I do help thinks it enhances. And as what you're saying, you probably work with a lot more dishes than me doing the work that you do. And you can see that not everybody loves the garlic like what we do. Yeah, I mean, I'm a I'm a taster. I unfortunately I'm not part of the cooking team. But when we used to be sort of in Good Food HQ. They would just be testing recipes and then bringing them out for us to try. So it would be endless food all day. That's the only reason I, I sort of miss the commute to work was because actually being at work meant just incredible food all day, which is just amazing. Well, at least and I saved some money on lunch. Well, at least today you had an incredible breakfast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thanks to you. So thank you for that. Um, as the weather gets colder, often food becomes a comfort for people. Yeah. So what would you say is your go-to comfort food if you need like a, a hug from, a from hug, your dish? A hug from a dish. It's got to be a a, 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 a full bowl of uh, of Caribbean-style soup filled with bit, lots of large chunks of meat and ground provisions, yams and dumplings and dasheen. And yeah, that's my comfort food. That sounds so hearty. It is. It's, it's, yeah, it's really hearty. Can you send me the recipe for that? <laughs> <laughs> You're just going to be getting messages from me like, oh, um, can you send me the recipe for this as well? Yeah, we, could, I'm we, gonna, we could work on that. I'm going to be recreating your entire restaurant menu at home too. So That's fine. And then when Before you... I can come <laughs> and visit. And when, when, when everything's back, so we can come and visit and I can take you around the kitchen and show you my barbecue grill and... We collection can, of rums and the well. collection of rums yeah we can start from the top shelf and go and work our way there how many did you say you have a hundred and only 140 oh, oh yeah only 140 a very small collection They're a very small collection there are collections which are bigger but i don't think i'll get to that stage but yeah it, it will keep on growing because uh, rum as far as i'm aware is one of the most or if not the most popular made spirit in the world really yeah what would you say makes a good rum? If you're sort of tasting to add it to the collection, what what are you looking for in a rum? Smooth, for me, smoothness. I like um, I like rums you can actually sip. So there's different grades of rum. You've got rums which are quite which are strong and harsh, and you've got rums you can actually just sit there and s- sip on its own, and you just get a, su- a sweet, mellow, caramelly, vanillary flavour in the back of your mouth. <clears throat> would you say there's a different rum for every mood? Yeah, there's a rum, there's a there's a drunk rum what gets you in the drunk mood, and there's a rum that gets you in the debated mood. Yeah, there's quite a few. Oh god, don't give me that rum. <laughs> <laughs> My friends already say I have too many opinions. So <laughs> <laughs> let's keep away from that one. Um, 
I'd also love to know what's what's the one piece of kitchen kit that you can't live without, whether that's at home or in the restaurant. Well, apart from a knife. <laughs> or is the knife included? Yeah, no, maybe apart from a knife because... <laughs> yeah, I would say... Uh, what the, um, what I tell you, uh, what really irritates me is, and it's quite a small feature, is when I can't find my potato peeler. That really irritates me. I'm going to peel something or make a bit of garnish and I can't find my peeler. Yeah, yeah. I, I, so um, I, I sent him one in the post as, oh, here's a gift. And he was sort of, why did you get me this? This isn't a gift. But it was really a gift for me. So I could just actually <laughs> peel stuff when I go to his house. Because I cook sometimes there. And every time, I, I found I avoid cooking any food where I have to peel anything because of his peeler. Also, sorry if you're listening. Sorry for the um, peeler insults but i mean they're necessary <laughs> but yeah we got the we got this amazing peeler now and i've got it in my house his house anytime i go to a friend's house i'm just going to start buying everyone peelers no uh, yeah because at work the chefs were going where's the peeler this peeler's so blunt and it's just like oh get your own peeler but yeah i know it's just a small thing but yeah it, that's what i find a little bit irritating when i can't find it but sometimes it's the small things that come in handy the most I mean, I know in my kitchen at home, we have, we've bought sort of all these intricate things over the years and we just don't use them. They sit in the cupboard. At the end of the day, you just need the few kitchen essentials yeah, and you, that's all you need. You can get around everything else. Yeah, you kind of just need the kind of basics like a small whisk, um, a decent chopping board, a, a, a potato peeler. You only, at home, you only really need two knives. What are your favourites? A small one and a large one. And that's about it, really. All of the other, all of the other stuff, like having a, a hand blender, yeah, they're really helpful. But it's a matter, it's a matter of how often do you get that piece of kit out of your cupboard to actually use it. And I would, I would turn around and say, if you kind of look at it, you peel potatoes more than you'd make a, a salsa verde. So you probably need a potato peeler more than a more than a blitzer. Yeah, and my other pet peeve is um blunt knives. When I'm helping someone cook and I just can't cut through whatever I'm cutting, it, you know, you do you get that feeling that's only reserved for sort of when cooking goes wrong or when you can't do something, it's like in your chest, it's like just pure annoyance. It's like, why can't I cut this? Like my, my dad, I always have to get him to sharpen the knives and at home because as soon as it gets a little bit blunt, you know, I just, it's almost like I turn into a child again. I start throwing a tantrum. Oh, I, do, I hate it. Do you, do you start sulking and jumping up and down on the spot? Yeah, I do. And also when it comes to cooking, I, I can't have anyone else in the kitchen. If I'm cooking for like, you know, my mum, my dad and my brother, for example, I cook most nights for them. And when they start coming in the kitchen and telling me what to do. Oh, you get annoyed. Oh, so annoyed. And you think, just get out of the kitchen, leave me alone. Don't stir my pot. I know what my pot's doing. Yeah, when when my mum comes in, she goes, just turn the heat down on that a bit. I'm like, I know what I'm doing, please. <laughs> to be fair, I do take advice from them. I'm not I'm not that um, stubborn, but... I do know what you mean. I, I, can, I, can, I can see where you're coming from because it's the same when you're in the kitchen. It's just like, I know what I'm doing. I've done this quite I've done this quite a few times. If I want your advice, I'll answer it. Exactly. But at the end of the day, I am a beginner and I do welcome any advice for for because you know, I don't think anyone knows everything. I certainly barely know anything. But what advice would you give to to beginner chefs just starting out? Just play around with food and, until you find what you like. Get your get your one staple dish what you're good at, keep working on it and then just try to be a bit more adventurous. This is probably a silly question, but what's your staple dish? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Just in case you throw a curveball out, you never know. 
what would be my staple dish? I would put, oh, I'd probably say, um, now you've put me on the spot, really. Because so I'm it a, was a curveball question. I thought the answer would be obvious, but... No, I don't really have a... Because I can do so many. I don't really have a staple dish. Um, and because I'm in the restaurant all the time, and plus I don't really cook at home that much anymore. Yeah, so um, I don't cook at home as much anymore, so I'm always, in, I'm always in a restaurant. And it's easy for me to say, yeah, this is my staple dish at the restaurant, but if it comes to being at home, I love eggs. I do. If... if, if if I come home and my partner's there with me and she say, what are you going to eat? I'm going to have eggs because it's nice and easy. Um, uh, yeah, I have an omelette every day for lunch because so I, I mix it up a bit with the ingredients and stuff, but my, my staple lunch is an omelette because it's so easy. Yeah. It's just so quick and you don't have to worry about it. It's just, you know, get it out, 15 minutes flat, done. Yeah, and it's, and it's, it's filling. What's your egg dish? My egg dish, I love scrambled eggs with a bit of bacon in it. <laughs> Oh, nice. I Ooh, do. What's the key to the perfect scrambled egg? Oh, the key? Just don't cook your eggs too long and just keep them moving and get them off the get them off the heat as soon as... Well, it depends on how you like your eggs. So when I was trained to be a chef many years ago, scrambled eggs are always a bit wet and runny. But you might find people that don't really like wet and runny eggs. So it, it's a funny one because it kind of... It, it really depends on how you like your eggs. I like my eggs a bit in the middle, but... Sometimes when you go to restaurants, the eggs are really wet, scrambled eggs. Some people like them, some people don't. So the key to doing a good scrambled egg is just to, when they set, you just take them off the stove, as, take them off the heat as soon as possible. Um, so carry like, on whisking, right? No, you just leave them so they don't overcook and get, oh, them, really? out, and get them out of the pan. Oh. And additions, milk, butter? Uh, additions, I would put a bit of salt, a bit of pepper, um, some milk. I do like sprinkling a little bit of Parmesan cheese in my scrambled eggs as well. Fancy stuff. We've got a lot of Parmesan <laughs> cheese in the, in the fridge. <laughs> yeah, cheese is always in my fridge. Parmesan and cheddar, extra mature. Now that you're saying it, that is one of the essential ingredients I always have in my fridge is cheese. Um, so your advice for beginners is just try, test around. I know a lot of people are almost reluctant to try new things because it is quite scary, the idea of failure and, you know, stuff being disgusting and just not succeeding in that. But do you, would you say cooking is as daunting as some people think or no, do you think it's more it's, exciting? I think it's more exciting. <clears throat> and it's now a lot easier because you've got the proliferation of all these cookery shows showing you how to do different things. And if you go to the supermarket, you can get so many different variants of ingredients. So cooking has become a bit more fun. Yeah, and, and it's more accessible now, isn't it? Yeah, it's more accessible and especially it's more accessible to to con different countries' food. I'm from I'm from Caribbean heritage and you can get all the Caribbean ingredients needed to make whatever Caribbean dishes out there. Um when we were speaking before you're from an Iranian background you told me and so you can get any any um any amount of ingredients and recipes to make food from your area. So I do think food has become a lot more accessible than what it was back when I first studied um, cookery. Yeah. And I, I don't know if maybe I'm just kind of blinkered by growing up in an Iranian family, but I was really sort of surprised to see saffron sort of coming into a lot of different cuisines and a lot of different recipes now because I always saw it as this magic ingredient that only you know certain cultures had access to and obviously that's just not the case because I went into sort of Tesco the other day and there was a jar of saffron and I was thinking I've 
I've never noticed that before, but things that I thought were difficult to get, they're just, they're everywhere now. Every every supermarket stocks, you know, the main things for, for so many dishes. And it's just so easy to widen your horizons when it comes to I think it's I think the supermarkets have just made it so easy for people to experiment with foods because everything's readily there. You don't need to go <laughs> you don't need to go out and a hunt to find something like saffron because Sainsbury's has made it so accessible. Um like you're saying you had problem finding scotch bonnet peppers. I don't know what area you live in in England but I'm sure if you went to went to your local large supermarket you probably will be able to find Scotch Scotch Bonnet or an equivalent to it. So if you can't find exactly what you're looking for, there may be an equivalent to it what you could use. But get getting food ingredients even online, you can buy anything online now. So it's just so much easier. Do you know what though? With the Scotch Bonnets, it wasn't that they didn't have it. It was just that they were sold out everywhere. So maybe everyone's making jerk at them. Maybe and maybe not everybody's such a spice wimp if we think. Yeah, and hopefully after this podcast, there'll be no Scotch bonnets anywhere because everyone is so inspired by you. Hopefully. They think, I've got to make it now. We shall. Are there any other... (laughs) We shall see, yeah. Um, Are there any other cuisines that you love? What I love... um, I do like... I do like Italian. Um, I was... When I was studying, I was trained in classical French, so I know French. I, I can't, I, I don't, there's not a cuisine that I dislike and there's not one what I really love. I just love eating good food. It's all about yeah, good I food. Yeah, I feel like you can't write off a whole cuisine because, you know, there are so many variations yeah. depending on where in a country it comes from, who's making it, family, restaurant. There's just so many different factors, which is why it annoys me when people say, oh, I, I hate this cuisine it's no you don't you just haven't found something that you like yet within that cuisine yeah yeah exactly so Delroy it's been wonderful to chat to you I think that's all we have time for but thank you for your your jerk wisdom I will cook it again good time in the oven probably going to send you a picture you can rate it again definitely (laughs) whenever whenever you're ready okay and also I can't wait to come come and join you in your restaurant and you can give me a tour that, that try would, the rums that'll be my pleasure as i said we got we got more than we got 140 so we can start at the top shelf work our way down maybe we might not do 140 in one sitting challenge accepted okay cool <laughs> i'm always up for a challenge yeah cool <laughs> okay brilliant well thank you so much so next time on the ricky chef podcast i'll be learning about donuts <laughs> Thank you. And that was the Rookie Chef podcast with me, Nadia Zirfat. To get the recipe and find out more, go to bbcgoodfood.com forward slash podcast and make sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts to never miss an episode. 